Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hockey fans, you have a new era for the Pittsburgh Penguins. A lot has happened this offseason for Pittsburgh, and there's still a lot of questions surrounding the future of this franchise. This is another episode of Mike Drop here, made possible by the Believe Network. I am your host, Mike Oste, and you can find this and every episode of the Mike Drop podcast and everything else that goes on with Believe through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and anywhere else you can get your podcasts. And on this show, I am going to bring on a friend and colleague who covers the Penguins and the NHL directly with The Athletic, and that is Rob Rossi. To discuss. So I will now bring on Rob Rossi as I will move us into those boxes. So Rob, first off, how are you? Happy to be talking to you. Thanks. Good to talk to you, my friend. Haven't seen you in a while. So I'm, I'm very well yeah. for, for this time of year, as, except for the the smoke that's been heading our way for the last 24 <laughs> hours here in Pittsburgh. I'm an asthmatic right. with allergies, so I'm basically like hiding in my house right now. That's probably the safest thing, but at least we're not in New York. Yes. Like, at least yeah. we can still see the sky and it looks kind of normal and it's not like looking like an alien movie right now. But yeah, I think last time was a surprise appearance when i saw you i was covering the backyard brawl the return of the backyard brawl yeah. in pittsburgh yeah. and i randomly saw you popping up yeah you highlight of the night as it turned out um, <laughs> yeah that was the highlight of the yeah. night i guess from the west yeah that was i um yeah i uh i, I like up until the final few minutes <laughs> are you i'm gonna be in the press box again this year are you gonna be in morgantown by chance i'm uh, still debating um i okay. I'd, I'd like to go but uh i I'm also thinking about going to the Penn State game because uh, I've never been up. Okay, to Penn State that's real. I'll be there as well. Let me know for that sure. Rivalry. So, and if that, of course, make th- that, of course, is all dependent on on the Penguins and their camp schedule and right. everything else like that. Right. So. Yeah, I, I I do cover the Mountaineers professionally. You though do cover the Pittsburgh Penguins, despite being maybe a West Virginia fan. So that's going to be why we're talking to you here today. Although I do hope I get to see you down there in happy valley and maybe we'll share some creamery and and do something live so rob you guys touched on it and i mean you and josh yoey who's also a colleague of mine and been on this show before about how we got here so before we get to kyle dubas taking over the pittsburgh penguins and kind of the oddity and the process there he says he it's toronto or bust and ends up in pittsburgh and the future of this franchise you guys touched on it on a recent pretty in-depth article with the athletic on how we got here. So how did we get here in terms of the end of the Brian style regime when the penguins for you kind of knew that that was the end of the line, how that kind of unfolded the funkiness there. And then maybe how that should be judged before we get to Kyle Dubas. And the yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a fairly chaotic uh, couple of, or a season and a half in Pittsburgh. Um, that Josh and I yeah. kind of wrote about, we kind of took it all the way back to uh, really the hiring of um, Brian Burke and Ron Hextall and 
you know, to be fair to them, um, they were hired with one understanding and one ownership and, and ownership changed. Um, 100%. Basically midway, not even midway through their tenure. And, and Fenway Sports Group, who now owns the Penguins, um, you know, had, had different ideas. Um, but, um, you know, long short of it is a year ago, uh, a little a little over a year ago, Fenway Sports Group, you know, determined they wanted to continue with uh, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang. Um, you know, Brian, or Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, to a lesser extent, Burke, because uh, nobody's really sure what he did. Uh, they were moving in a <laughs> direction. Um, yeah. uh, they had to change streams, and from there, it just sort of became this uh, dissolution of um, sort of the organization. And if you remember, there was a very chaotic trade deadline um, yep. in what feels like years ago, but it, it really does. Yeah. <laughs> a few months ago, um, yeah. Fenway Sports Group had basically decided then, barring something very unlikely, like the Penguins getting on a, a roll and, you know, going to like a conference final or something, that they were going to make a move and missing the playoffs helped that make that move easier. And yeah. um, it was a, um, you know, I've been covering them, what, 19 years now. It's, uh, uh, you know, you always hear a lot of weird stuff behind the scenes. You, I mean, with any team, you, you just, there's a lot more that you don't hear than there is that you know, um, even if you cover the team. And uh, this was one of those cases where, uh, you know, Josh and I knew a lot, but uh, – <laughs> We still we still kept a lot on the floor, so to speak. I'm sure I'm sure you did. <laughs> yeah, Rob Rossi of the Athletic, as we're talking Penguins and how they got from the previous regime to yeah. Kyle Dubas. So, I guess my question here, and I think the eye popping kind of maybe thought process for some fans when they were reading that was obviously you covered some drama. And the Penguins have had some drama in the past, and every franchise is going to have some drama, no matter who's the owner. But the Penguins have generally been a franchise that has been a classy franchise and they try to do things the right way. And yeah, they're trying to continue with the big three. And that was a debate of years ago as well. But how did it get so funky? Like, do you feel that Brian Burke and Ron Hextel knew that they basically were managing for almost no reason for the past few months? That they were dead men walking? Was that part of it? How did it get... I guess in a situation of so much instability prior to getting Kyle Dubas, because at the time he was still managing a Toronto Maple Leafs organization that did get into the postseason and did advance in the postseason and actually won the first postseason series in 20 years, even though they're disappointed about not going further. So there's no way in February the Penguins knew that he was going to be available. No, but I think they, you know, they, they looked at the possibility that, you know, uh, he didn't he didn't have a, a contract going forward with Toronto yeah um, and I that was always in the back of the head of uh, of Dave Beeston and the Fenway sports group um, you know so I mean he was kind of always the the okay. person they wanted to date um, <laughs> but that person was in a relationship. Yeah. You're not sure. Like if you're going to like send a wink or like, if you're going to yeah, like say, yeah. like, hey, I, you know, yeah, yeah, maybe if we're both single and it works out, but, right. um, um, Hextall and Burke knew pretty quickly after the 
trade deadline that it was, you know, fait complete. But, you know, going into that, you know, I think Hextall was trying to save his job, um, okay. which, you know, makes some of the moves even more puzzling. Um, and, you know, where it went bad, I mean, as it, it always goes bad, in my experience, based off one thing, poor communication. Um, and there, you know, when you have, when you have very little communication between the GM and the coach as, as the Penguins had for most of most of this past season, and I don't put that on the coach. The coach was trying. I mean, um, I, I think we'll look back right. um, years from now and, and say, though Mike Sullivan wasn't perfect with his decisions, it's, it was, it was sort of like uh, I equated to Mike Tomlin when he was dealing with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. I covered that. Just sort of like, yeah. With hindsight, you go, oh, how did how did Tomlin keep it together for as long as he did? Right. And, and I think with Sullivan and you know the leadership crew, Crosby and Malkin, and Latang especially, you know, how, how did they get the Penguins as close as they did to the playoffs? Um, is, is probably the better question. But, uh, yeah, and there were some that when Ron Hexall and Brian Burke took over thought that the Penguins were maybe okay with going through a rebuilding process. And then all of a sudden that year they kind of got hot and had a winning season that maybe was unexpected for the management group. And then you get here. So it kind of was this odd few-year period. But yeah, when you bring up the Tomlin example, there are scenarios in sports where sometimes things just unravel out of your control. And when you're in a leadership position, you're still going to take heat because it, it it's still on you. But sometimes only so much you can do. But I think the question that also exists, it's getting cleared up a little bit now. Because as you alluded to, the Fenway Sports Group, who people, I think, in general in the country will still characterize with the Boston Red Sox and maybe international soccer, not as much the Pittsburgh Penguins, maybe a little bit more now because now you're you're seeing comments from them. You guys are bringing them up in articles. Others who cover the team are bringing them up a little bit more. Occasionally, they're tweeting about the Penguins. They weren't doing that for a year or so after taking over. So what role have they had, and do you expect that to increase, and what role do you expect them to have moving forward? Because it does feel like from somebody who's not covering the team day to day, that they're a little bit more out in front street of saying, okay, we also own this. Whereas a year ago, they were letting everybody know they knew that they owned the Red Sox, but there were a lot of Penguin fans kind of frustrated. Hey, you bought a, a pretty successful franchise with the best player in the league, a top five generational, won a cup not long ago. Why isn't it even in the Twitter bio? Yeah, I mean, I assume that was just an oversight that – it's a while. It was a, it was a, it was a long oversight. Well, but yeah, no, but I mean, I, I just assumed that part was like be. Yeah. the part on their website. Um, right. um, the truth is they were, they were studying hockey as much as they were studying the penguins. And, okay. you know, they chose a year ago to basically um, focus on the business side of things. Cause the business side of things weren't in as good a shape. Um, I think that makes sense. That's where they had their expertise. They brought in some of their own people uh, in, in sort of roles that nobody in hockey would care about because they're, you know, ticket sales and that. And, you know, they had to address some things with sort of their bottom line financially. Uh, it's my understanding they, you know, they, they, despite maybe not having evidence of it, they, they were willing to trust Hextall and Burke to, 
to to run this season. And I think they wanted a little more time to make a decision on those guys. Um, yeah. Ended up being the, the wrong bet, obviously. But, uh, you know, Dave Beeston, who's, you know, an alternate governor for the Penguins and is sort of the appointed the appointee of John Henry and Tom Werner, the, you know, the principal owners of Fenway sports group. Um, he was in Pittsburgh a lot this past season. Um, he doesn't, his job is not CEO. Um, and for that reason, he didn't want to be seen in the public stepping on the toes of either Kevin Ackland, their president of um, right. business operations or Brian Burke. Okay. Um, or, or Ron Hextall at the time on the hockey side. Um, but he's been involved more than people knew. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of the, the critique of Fenway um, yeah. by people in the media and that. But, you know, I, I guess I look at it this way. That's kind of where I'm going. I'm kind of bringing that up, just on yeah. that side of things for fans to clear to understand. Yeah, I I look at it this way. Let's see them screw up big first before we bury them uh okay the the penguins ownership previously made mistakes um they had you know 20 plus years to to have more successes than they made mistakes um these guys have had 18 months and you know what they're guilty of right now is trusting people who hockey people had told them deserved the chance to see this through. Um, and, and frankly, they thought once you got the big three signed, how could you screw it up that badly? And, and they learned. Um, <laughs> right. but, uh, I mean, I, I, I have more confidence in Fenway than, than most. Um, okay. Uh, I've seen some of the stuff they've done behind the scenes on the business side and how it worked. Um, and look, they ended up getting their guy for, for president of hockey operations. They, they wanted Kyle Dubas. They got Kyle Dubas. Uh, yeah. I know they ran a thorough search. Um, they were actually, you know, this has been out there. I think we've reported it as well. They were pretty far down the line to um, starting negotiations with other, another candidate. So um, um, it's just um, Dubas became available. And like I said, he, he yep. was their he was their dream partner, and they were like, "Let's go, let's take our shot." And yeah, when when you when you fall in love, you got to take the shot, and you, you got to put a ring on it. For matter of speaking, there, yeah. Rob Rossi of the Athletic, Mike Rossi here, Believe Network, as this is Mike Drop here, made possible by Believe Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and when you think about it, it does kind of make sense to first go look at the business side. You know that you have star players, and the hockey side's going to go at least. You'd figure in neutral, even though they did just miss the playoffs. They maybe didn't expect it to drop off to that level. But if you're looking at business side from a fan, if you want to be in that Forbes list of billion-dollar franchises and, and top 20 franchises in terms of making money, I mean, they're owning the Red Sox and Liverpool. They're always right there, no matter what goes on in the field or pitch. They're making money the, as much as you can in the NHL. There's that opportunity now for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You mentioned, though, that Dubas was that guy they were in love with, even while he was still with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So before we fully unpack how he became now vice president of hockey operations and how he's going to lead the future of this franchise, I guess my question, and I think some are wondering why. And I ask that because I get 
young, smart hockey mind again did win a series with Toronto, which is something that hasn't happened in 20 years. And that's easier said than done in that fishbowl. But still only one playoff series win while he was leading that franchise. He had a lot of success with the minor league affiliate when he was an assistant and then leading that to a Calder cup. But once he took over Toronto, Austin Matthews, other stars were there. Not much postseason success to really write home about despite again, the one series. So why should Penguin fans truly buy in? When you look at the overall resume of his past, his, his past place, it's not eye popping. And the, previous regime maybe had more on their resume certainly the prior regime of Jim Rutherford before them already had won a Stanley Cup despite being polarizing that's not the case here this is a guy whose best years of his career are probably in front of him why should fans buy in well I mean Jim Rutherford's teams hadn't made the playoffs for five years when he got the Penguins job um yeah uh it's it's often thought in hockey that, you know, it's rare for a GM to have first time sustained success. Um, Penguins got a little spoiled here for a long time with that. (laughs) To Um, say the least. Yes. You know, uh, Craig Patrick and Ray Shiro had a lot of success. Uh, I think there's reason to be optimistic because if, if you followed this league long enough, you've know, you'll know that, the Maple Leafs in Toronto are a completely different beast than almost anything in North American sports. Imagine if, imagine if the Steelers <laughs> were covered by a media core that is 10 times as big for um a market that is four times as large. Yeah. Maybe the Steelers with that mentality, that franchise, the way they're polarizing in New York city, plus the national media on top of it, maybe. um, Right. And, and so the Maple Leafs had not been anywhere close to successful before Dubas and, and Brendan Shanahan arrived. And, and, you know, they, they ended up becoming a team that over the last five years, I think has averaged the, fourth most points in the NHL haven't had the playoff success. I would argue that the playoffs are kind of a craps shoot. Um, you know, just this year, look, I mean, Florida right. gets in by sort of some freak circumstances and, and they're in the, in the cup final, the Panthers yep. are. So yep. um, I, I'll say this, you know, Dubas couldn't make Matthews, Marner um, and Tavares produce more in, in the postseason. Um and I think that the people that are being hypercritical of him because he hasn't had more playoff success are failing to acknowledge that there's only so much a general manager can do um, and only really sure. a couple of times a season to do that. Um, yeah. I, I think there's reason to believe his, like you said, his best years are ahead of him. Um, I don't know him well, but I remember the first time I met him, you know, a year ago. And um, certainly I got this uh, impression from talking to him the past, you know, a few weeks or a week or so or whatever. It's been three weeks. And uh, um, he came across this way in his introductory news conference too. He, he seems like a hyper intelligent, very driven person who um, has a, as a good way of organizing things, which the previous regime didn't. 
Right. Uh, he is multifaceted. Uh, he's sort of unfairly touted as a numbers guy where really he came up with a scouting background. I, I think he basically gave a speech one day about analytics at a conference and suddenly everybody was like, Oh, he's the analytics guy. Um, he does get, he does get the analytics label, which 37 years old. So usually yeah, when you're repulsive. Smart mind, kind of repulsive, you're, yeah. you're yeah. going to usually get the analytics label. Most of the people around that age that are having success in pro sports are getting that analytics label, which is polarizing too. So maybe that's part of where some fans are coming from, but I do think judging him off of just the Maple Leafs tenure is a little unfair and you see the whole resume is being put up there. Half of that time, he wasn't the man in charge. He was right. under somebody else. So it's not fair to put the, the whole thing on the assistant. And then well, the and also you have, have to remember, like, than the, prior the other thing is the yeah. Maple Leafs are owned by sport, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which has a board of directors. And right. um, you know, they also own the Toronto Raptors. They own a lot of things in Toronto. And it's yeah. different than when you're working for an, even an ownership like Fenway, which has a lot of money but doesn't have as many people that you have to answer to. Um, I'm not absolving Kyle. I mean, Kyle will say he made mistakes. It's a hard job. 100%. It's a hard job. It's a very yeah. difficult job. And there's because a reason the, the cup hasn't been in, in Toronto because of the Maple Leafs since, you know, before expansion. Right. Yeah. When you think about it. Yeah. I mean, there's only one man who has won a series as an executive in the last 20 years. And it is Tubas with Toronto and it's hard. And I know this is the mentality of Toronto media and the Maple Leafs. And this maybe is why it sometimes annoys the rest of us around the country. You have a franchise that hasn't won a Stanley cup or even been in the cup final since the sixties in expansion. And yet the mentality exists that if you don't at least get to a cup final or win the Stanley cup, your whole tenure was unsuccessful, whether it be player, coach, or executive. It's like you're basically saying the last 70 years are bad, which I don't think they're also going to agree to. So you can't have it both ways. Rob Rossi here of the Athletic Mike Osti Mike Drop here on Believe. So whether you like it or not, Kyle Dubas is, is president of Penguins of the Penguins hockey operations. So how did that happen in terms of they've been in love for a while, according to you and others, he then went out there and kind of put it out there in his press conference at the end of the season for the Maple Leafs that, hey, it's Toronto or bust. I don't want to put my family through this again. I'm 37, but I got some young kids, got a wife. She's kind of sick of me on the road in, in the fishbowl and media people telling our kids that, you know, daddy's doing a bad job. I want to take a break. Maple Leafs then a day or so later basically decide we're going to move on from him despite some thinking that was a bad call because they did have some recent success, even though they didn't go to a conference final. And then all of a sudden, a few days later, he's in rumors with the Penguins, but it takes a while to even have the announcement that they agreed on a contract. And then it took a few more days to get from there to him actually being announced with the job. And it's not just GM. He gets more of a title. So to your knowledge, what was going on there that has had him change his mind the Penguins then being sold that he fully was bought in and how did he get to a promotion position with a new franchise? Cause it was more than a lateral move after again, it's hard to blame him, but it's not like it was wowing success with Toronto yet. He really jumps up to this new position with even more responsibility potentially. Well, I mean, the, the reality is, is, you know, his season ended on a Saturday and disappointment with Toronto right. on a Monday. 
Uh, he met the media as, as many GMs do uh, after sort of the, the locker pack up day. And, um, and he was asked a question. It's been a story all year up there because he didn't have publicly. Nobody knew that he had a contract to be signed. Um, mo mo most people only knew that his contract was expiring. So, um, you know, uh, I guess it depends on whose story you believe. Right. Um, I know, I know Toronto media are spinning this is kind of upset and feeling like he did a turncoat thing in the Maple Leafs. <laughs> yeah. but, but they let him go, too. Right. So basically on that Monday, you know, he's asked the question, you know, and he, I think he speaks from the heart um, uh, for good or bad. Uh, he, you know, his, his explanation was like, look, I, I don't plan on being anywhere else. Um, popping up anywhere else, I think was how he put it next week. And, uh, you know, four days later on a Friday, <laughs> maybe, maybe we fired him. Uh, right. And then that morning, that Saturday morning, uh, as he said, the Penguins reached out and then it was kind of like a full court press. I, I think people think it took a long time. I guess I look at it the other way. Like this guy went from having a job, thinking he was going to have the job extend to being fired and then having people that are very interested in bringing him aboard, wanting to get to know him. And, you know, he's trying to make decisions like, do yeah. I want to take the year off? Do I want to, do I want to work for the Penguins? Do I want to move my family to the United States? That's what he said he didn't want to do, right? right. Which is why the question exists. Yeah. So um, I think what happens is things change. And a lot of people, that's a very simple concept, but it's it's a difficult one for people to understand, I think, because in, in sports, people th say things publicly. Yeah. Um, you can have no intention of doing something one day and then, you know, a few days later, your world has been rocked by change and suddenly an option you wouldn't have considered is available. I, I my reporting all indicates it's as simple as that. I know okay. people want a juicier thing, but I mean, it was, um, do you think that cause you're saying the penguins for you had been interested in him in a, for a while, they just didn't know exactly he would be available, but if he was, they'd be interested. Do you think, I mean, hockey circles, people talk and know things, you think he knew that at all? Like, do you think at all when he, I mean, the last he, few months, he in the back of his mind, do you think he thought, okay, if this doesn't go well, the Penguins at least do want me? I don't want to get into Kyle's mind. I'll just right. say, like, I mean, I, I wrote a day out, I think a day or two after that the Penguins were willing to offer him full control and give him whatever he wanted. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if he did nothing else but read The Athletic, he, he knew. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, right. it, I mean, it was an open secret that the Penguins liked dubis but um you know he had a job and you know that they, they can't they, they if, if they contacted him it's it's tampering so 100 um, yeah it's yeah. one of those things where like it's easier to put things together than for the two parties to get to actually know one another i mean kyle could look at the penguins from afar and and sort of get a feel for what they have and the penguins could look at him from afar and sort of get a feel but until you meet until you get to actually hear a guy's plan and all this stuff. Um, yeah. You know, I, um, I think it went pretty quickly for all, for all of that. It's just, I guess, it yeah. came at the end of a, it came at the end of a search that was already in its fifth week and nearing conclusion. And that's what, that's what's unique about this. Like had this not happened, it's my understanding that Penguins are, we're going to announce a candidate probably early 
the week where they were wooing Kyle Dubas. Um, it just sometimes, you know, sometimes things happen. Um, I'm old enough to remember, you know, when a couple of times the Steelers were replacing head coaches and people thought it was going to be a completely different candidate. And then at the end, it ended up being Bill Cowher and then Mike Tomlin. Yeah, no one thought it would be Mike Tomlin. 100%. Yeah, so sometimes yeah. things just can work in your favor, or, or they cannot. Who knows if this works? But in terms of the match, I mean, this is what yeah. the Penguins dreamed of. And, and sometimes you hire a guy that nobody would expect to get the job. Mike Tomlin, again, another example, because the, the Rooney family fell in love with him. And at that point, you're talking about an early 30s assistant who many thought was only successful because he's riding the coattails of Tony Dungy and John Gruden. And the Steelers said, nope, we don't think so. We think he can guide a ship for the next 20 years because that's their mentality. They don't want to hire coaches again. So they fell in love, and not everyone did. And Mike Tomlin's been open about this. A lot of other teams weren't thinking he was ready yet. So sometimes that, that exists. And, and it's sure. been reported, and I've been able to confirm that it's a seven-year deal for Kyle. So, I mean, right. they made an enormous commitment they're, to him. They're GMs bought in, yeah. PMs don't get that type. And, and they, yeah, they, like I reported they would, they gave him the keys to the castle. I mean, yeah. he even said, I asked him at the press conference about a GM, and, you know, he kind of laid out a timeline, but he also said, I'm, I'm going to be the interim GM. And he goes, and if that's the route we go, I don't even know that they're going to hire a GM. And if they do, it's certainly not going to be a GM with autonomy. Um, I mean, no, they're going to be, yeah, yeah. they're going to need to run everything by him. Yeah. I mean, he's building this hockey organization the way he wants and the, and the way they feel comfortable. And I think it's going to look a little bit non-traditional. Wouldn't surprise me at all. If they just hire an associate GM, multiple assistants um, that have sort of special specified tasks. Um, Yeah. Maybe a uh, former player like like Bill Guerin was that maybe is looking yeah. for that type of management opportunity, but needs somebody who's done it before to guide them. Yeah, that I that mean, could make sense. Yeah. And here's the thing: I mean, if you're a Penguins fan, one of the successes that the Rutherford era brought they, they were early, right after his first season was kind of a dud, hundred um, percent. And um, he thought he was going to get fired. Uh, and you know, they make the Phil Kessel trade, but he also had you know, three guys that he inherited as an associate and two assistant GMs, Jason Bottrell, um, Tom Fitzgerald and Bill Guerin, all three end up being GMs in the league. Um, right. You know, and, and, and two of them still are. And, and, you know, Bottrell's tenure with Buffalo looks a lot better now than it did at the end of his tenure. And, yeah. you know, he's a highly regarded assistant um, in Seattle. And I, and I, I believe was on yeah. the, I, you know, I believe he was one of the people that, um, the Penguins talk too early. So, um, yeah, that's all true. And you also have to have the understanding that it's an annoying term out there for people, but these things are always fluid in terms of leading a sports franchise or really in being in sports in general, meaning you bring up Jim Rutherford. He got there. They did have some early success. They certainly won the back-to-back cups and probably took his resume from, yeah, great success with Carolina the one year, not much else to hall of fame. And, He's been open in saying he didn't think he would be with Pittsburgh guiding the ship as long as he even was. And not that he didn't think they could win championships, but it wasn't like he was going to bet money that that was going to happen when it did. So 
if those things occur, that may say, well, you wanted to retire, but we're going to need you to hang on for a few years, or maybe you even want to. And then, you know, that's not the case with 37 year old, but yeah, they're bought in for long term. So Rob Rossi of the athletic, I then have to ask you because this is not when Jim Rutherford took over, although that was after instability, but the core was younger then. Crosby was still by far the best player in the league. Now, He's one of, and he's certainly top five all time for most, top 10 at least. But there are others that think other players are now the best in the game. There are more of those conversations now. Malkin played all the games last year. I know you have a close relationship with him. Nobody brings that up. Hadn't done that in a long time, but he's dipped from what he was. Latang's been up and down out of the lineup in terms of injury, but has played well when in there. The rest of the team just hasn't been deep enough. They need a lot of things that they maybe didn't need a few years earlier. A lot of things need to happen to fix this over the next decade. And over that seven-year period, it's very unlikely that Crosby, Malkin, and Latang are going to be there the whole time, if most of it, certainly not as the best in the game. So what kind of job is Kyle Dubas taking over? What are the Penguins right now? What are they going to be? Like, what's the attractiveness level of this job? And what should reasonably be expected from Penguin fans who do have a championship or bust mentality, certainly while the core is still there, it does appear with this contract, the Penguins are at least taking an approach that we like this guy, Kyle's our guy, but we understand there's going to be a process here, which is why we're giving him some time. What realistically is this job right now? Well, I mean, it's a tough one, Um, but I think so. It's not a bad one. And I think those things have been conflated. Uh, they have really good players to build around. In fact, you can make an argument that the one thing the last regime got really right was the toughest part of the job sometimes outside of goaltender, which is building a, a legitimate top six. Um, they didn't fill out the, the roster around those guys, and uh, at least adequately. Um, Kyle Dubas is going to have to figure out, while dealing with a couple of bad contracts, three of them, and one of them he can't really do a whole lot about with Jeff Carter, um, how he can supplement the the guys that, you know, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and sort of the guys right around them. And, and there might be some difficult decisions that be made. And I don't think that the Penguins, as they will look going into training camp, are necessarily what the Penguins will look like going into the trade deadline. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of tinkering. Um, it's going to have to be because the, the team as it was constructed last year wasn't good enough. And, you know, the primary thing he has to figure out is the goaltending. And that's a really difficult thing for any GM to figure out. Just again, look at the postseason the last few years. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, he has by all accounts, unlimited resources. Um, and he has an organization that has for the past 35 years, for the most part, shown an unwavering willingness to sort of put its chips into the table to try to win. Um and I think those are two good foundations to build on. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's guaranteed Crosby, Malkin, and Latang will, you know, get another crack at a championship with him. But I think they're in a better position to do it with him than with who they had, because I never sensed a real overall direction or an overall plan. And, you know, I think Dubas is very aligned with Mike Sullivan and sort of the types of teams they want to build. Um so I think that's going to be a good marriage. I think they're going to push each other in a lot of ways, which I think is also good. Um, uh, but, you know, Dubas is going to get a chance in Pittsburgh that he didn't have in Toronto, which is to sort of 
make all the calls, to have everything on his shoulders. Um, we don't know what in Toronto he wanted to do and couldn't. Right. Um, now that said, he also doesn't have the buffer that he had in Toronto, right? You know, that, that cuts both ways. But I, look, I certain organizations sort of have DNA, right? And um, I think with Fenway figuring out the market and, and the sport and with Dubas in charge and, and with that leadership group, I still think you can have a team that could have what happened to Florida this year, or, or maybe, um, you know, Montreal, the one year in the, yeah. it was, I guess, outside the bubble or Dallas in the bubble, sort of put together the type of team that can get in the playoffs. And then who knows? And if, if people don't think that's all that hockey is, is a qualifying regular season for the tour- <laughs> the tournament that i mean that's all it is it's yeah yeah nobody would have bet on maybe vegas but nobody would have bet on the final four right certainly carolina loses the best player and they're in the final four like that, that right that, that i stuff mean happens and it wouldn't happen it's a complete coin flip and the same people that are writing off the penguins now would be saying well that's veteran leadership and organizational strength if they're in the final four next year i mean do i think it's likely no but do i do i rule it out as an impossibility no i've just no, seen it, the sport too long it also appears, and again, by the contract situation, and you don't have seven years with Crosby and Malkin detained together, but it also appears that if that doesn't happen next year, it's not like the Penguins are going to freak out or Fenway Sportsbook is going to freak yeah. out and fire them. They're given some time here and knowing there's work to be done and need some time. You did mention Mike Sullivan. Before we let you go, do you think Mike Sullivan is going to be around for the long haul as well? Because prior to this announcement, and you're talking about him and Kyle Dubas having a, maybe a perfect marriage here, there were some that kind of brought up that maybe – Mike Tomlin or Mike Sullivan would choose to walk away, go for another job, take a year off as well. And maybe he was done with the frustration of being the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins and having there be a confusion on how much credit otherwise he should get. Maybe he was sick of it as well. Is he rejuvenated? Do you think he's now in this for the long haul? No, I don't think he's rejuvenated at all. I think Mike's always been sort of the same. He's always, okay. I mean, he's just, he's consumed with winning another championship. And honestly, he's he's consumed with doing it with these guys that he's done it before with, you know, the big three. I mean, he believes immensely in those players. Um, and I think that's the type of coach you want. Um, I think, that you know, the coach that that takes it, you know, Mike was worn down by this season. I mean, you could see it on his face. You could just see his body language. I mean, he right. You know, he, I don't he was very uncomfortable not having answers to the problems. Um, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't see this as different from Mike at all. I think if there's anything rejuvenating him, I think this is going to be more like it was with Jim than it was with Ron and Brian. And by that, I mean, I think there's going to be better communication. I think they're going to feel like there's more people pulling in the same direction, yeah. um, more trust than there was. So I, if anything, if anything would rejuvenate him, um, I think it would be that, but, Mike is, like I said, consumed with the Penguins. The the New York stuff was always sort of manifest destiny type of stuff, right? I mean, like people trying to sort of will that in. Um, the truth is, like Fenway, Fenway committed to him for another four years on a contract that had two years remaining at yeah. the end of last summer, and they didn't do so cheaply. So, I mean, he's one of the better compensated coaches in the league. So. Um, 
you know, when when my when I say Fenway is and Mike Sullivan are wedded together, I think people mean think that means they're very chummy. Like he's he's from Boston, they're from Boston. They they share some cultural sort of connections, right? Yeah. Um, and if you've been to Boston, you know, like it's yeah, yeah, a big small town, or it's a small big town, however you want to say it, right? Like right. um that in the Boston sporting community is, is pretty tightly woven. But other than that, I mean, they're, they're connected. Cause like who wants to eat five more years of a contract for a coach, especially yeah. coach had a proven successful record. I mean, he's a, he's, yeah, right. he's a borderline hall of fame coach. I think you could absolutely make the argument based on who's already in. I mean, yeah, two cups is not, is, is two cups. It's not easy to do, even though he had talented roster and it's a while ago now, I guess, but you know, 2017 is not really that long ago. Uh, just ask again, Toronto and some other franchises. Yeah. So it's easier said than done. You can't expect it to happen every year, but there is that mentality around the penguins that when you have Crosby, if it doesn't happen every other year, it is a failure, which is well, very tough to operate. And that's, that's the reality of it, though, Mike. It is. Yeah. I mean, like when you when you're gifted generational talents, that's, that's fair. Um, the truth is, every year you don't win is a disappointment. But right. like you don't win every year. You just don't. Um, yeah. Even New England Patriots for all the right. what did they go to like. Ten, nine, they won six with Brady and they went to a couple more and then yeah. Right, but with Brady and Belichick, would they like go not go to nine together? Yeah, they yeah, right. yeah like yeah, they lost some. They were together 21 years. So like like would we say that that like that's less than 50% is what I'm saying. Right, Which, right. But right. it's an enormously successful, probably unmatched you know, successful. Yeah. 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 And, and one of the years they lost, they were undefeated in the regular season and brought in Randy Moss. It's not like yeah, anyone's going to say that was a bad decision. Like Championship or bust is what, if you're a fan and I always make it clear, I'm not, but if you're a fan, you want your organization to be championship or bust, you, you especially like when they have that talent that makes it a, a viable prospect. It's, it's right? fun. Right. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So there will be a time when the penguins don't have these generational players if history repeats itself again, there will then be a time they do because they seem to find these guys right. somehow. Right, right, right. And but I'm old enough to remember the period in between when they did yeah, it and there was an X generation and that was bad. Used to say so. This time that next generational player won't come as a free agent signing, sort of at the tail end of the Crosby right. Malkin years. I, we just... Right. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the the Giannis press conference after the Bucks loss, where he basically said yeah. what you're saying, yeah. that we just won a few years ago. That was great. You can't win every year. And if we don't win every year, which we're not going to win, by the way, every year, breaking news, it's a big disappointment, but it can't be a failure. And if you're going to act that way, then Michael Jordan failed nine times or whatever, like more yeah. than he won. So Right. I mean, it's 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 the 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 greatness – but the frailness of a sports fan, right? Like it's a, you, you, you're in this, right? Cause you have these enormous expectations and your heart's connected to the team and you take everything personally. And what you really want is a team that has the same want to win, but doesn't take it personally when they lose, they take a sort of cold hearted look at how to keep winning. Um, right. You know, as you've often, as you've experienced and you've often heard me say, after every event, after every sporting event, the team that loses fans are more upset than the players themselves because 100%. the players deal with failure all the time. It is a sports are failure. That's all they are. They are, they are 
repeated failure for brief moments of success. They can be small moments like I love that. Yeah, because even the most successful is going to fail more. Yes. (laughs) So the Yankees have won however many World Series, and then like 90 times they haven't. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't won since 2009. So the Yankee mentality is a bit rough to have. Right. Right. And, And now they're playing on Tatooine. So, um, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, and, yeah. yeah right. Who knows if they're going to play again. Right. right. Yeah. So like that mentality, which, yeah, it's bring up the Yankees. Sometimes people do call it the Yankee mentality and George Brent Steinbrenner say we got a championship every year or bust. Well, that means that you busted quite a bit there, man. So yeah. like, yeah. So like that it's and in, in hockey, you know, again, major league baseball, there's no salary cap. The NHL there is, there's so much parody. It's a crap shoot. There are teams, they didn't necessarily build themselves the best. There's not tons of star power on, say, Carolina. But again, they got in the Final Four. So those things happen. The pe- But uh, as a fan, you're going to have Penguins fans who are going to bring that up, though. There's a little bit of a spoiled tinge to Penguin fans, for sure. Oh, Maybe yeah, forgetting yeah, what it was before. And I, I mean, I'm not insulting them. That's just, that's just the case. Yeah, and they're going to bring up, oh, how could you lose to Halak and these other series? You shouldn't have lost those teams. They're going to happen. You're not going to win it every year. Yeah, there's a a spoiledness to Penguin fans. 100%, there's no denying it. But nonetheless, like it or not, and it's going to be a long-term thing. So I do also think that the Penguins feel like now they have their guy for not only the end of the Crosby era, but whenever it does end, the guy that can maybe make sure they're not in the X generation. Like they, yeah, I feel I, like they I, have a guy that could help that be okay, even if not what it has been. They're planning to have Kyle there a long, long time, right? And right. to to figure out the short term while also plotting for the long term, and you know that is actually what the previous ownership wanted the previous regime to do. They just showed no aptitude to do it. That's fair, and, and that does seem to be the case, and, and maybe they can go off for an island sometime and, and relax because that was very stressful for them. Situations occur, and the reality is the Penguins now do a, a new president of hockey operations. It is Kyle Dubas, and the new era of the Penguins is semi-in place, at least in terms of the important figures, and the big three, they're still there, even if some wanted to cut bait years ago. They're still there, so it is building around them. So we can debate it all day and what the Penguins maybe should have done the last five years, and people will always debate that if they don't win another cup with this group. But none of that matters to Kyle Dubas. <laughs> His goal is to, is to deal with what's there now and, and to build the future, and it's going to be with Crosby and then likely going to be some years without Sidney Crosby as much as that'll be a time that many of us, even if we're old enough to remember what it was prior to Crosby, it's still a long time ago. So there's a lot of people that, whether it be fans or even media covering this team that are a bit spoiled to have a generational player there that long. And yeah, you, you, you get Lemieux to dig you out of that. You get Crosby to dig you out of that. The Penguins have been very fortunate over the years to say the very least Rob Rossi of the athletic. Great talking to you, man. We'll definitely have to do this again sometime. And maybe I'll be seeing you if not before at some point, in state college for the return of, I don't know if we're calling that a rivalry. Some people like to, I don't know if I really want to jump in that direction since uh, no fans remember it. One sided rivalries. (laughs) Well, yeah. And one that hasn't happened in a while, Yeah, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll be down there nonetheless. So Rob, appreciate the time, man. Have a good day. Again, Rob Rossi of the athletic. Always love talking to him. And by the way, 
sounded great, which I love to hear as well. For anybody who knows his personal story, there's a reason why a couple years we weren't able to have him on shows. He's now in a much better place health-wise, which is fantastic and killing the game in terms of covering the NHL and covering hockey and covering the Penguins again. <laughs> Breaking some news, digging more than anybody else could dig, pairing him with Josh Yoey, a dynamic duo that they are, and offering some insight on shows like this. So again, you can find this and every episode of Mike Drop here on Believe, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, etc., the Penguins do have Kyle Dubas. He is the president of hockey operations. Will there be a GM? Will there not be the GM? It doesn't matter, really. It's all going to be run and led by Kyle Dubas. And Fenway Sports Group, they're a little bit more out there in Front Street. Maybe fans like that. Maybe they're going to learn they don't like that. But in terms of management, business-wise, they've certainly had success. And I don't think you can just grade Kyle Dubas on what the Toronto Maple Leafs did. Because, by the way, he did lead them to more success than they had in the prior 20 years. And it's a different animal being there no one has led them to a cup final since the 60s so to say if he hasn't he's no good at 37 is a bit much and his career will be judged the penguins ownership of fenway sports group that era will be judged even lemieux passing the torch a little bit will be judged this entire regime and keeping the big three together of crosby malkin latang for more years than maybe some thought they all should have been together and Crosby being with the Penguins his whole career. All of that will be judged by now the next few years and maybe the entirety of Kyle Dubas's tenure leading the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we will see and time will tell and they're annoying phrases for sure and you won't win every year. You will bust more than you will win championships. That mentality is really, really tough, but at least it is fun and Kyle, the Penguins, Fenway Sports Group, they know that Penguin fans have it. Red Sox fans have it. They won the World Series in 2004. They won a bunch since. Prior to 2004, they hadn't won in 86 years. 86 years. Were they busting all the way through? Were they busting all the way through? Because they were one of the historic franchises in sports history. Ted Williams, Carl Ostremski, were they busting with those guys? Was that you as a fan saying all that was a failure? Ted Williams, Skyler Yastrzemski, their careers were pointless. Shouldn't have laced them up. I don't think so. <laughs> That's not how it's handled there by any means. And I can name a myriad of others. So you're not going to win every year. Now, you don't win. Ben would go 86 years. I understand being frustrated here. But you certainly can't imagine it happening every year. And the Red Sox have had their peaks and valleys too since 04 without our salary cap. So you can only do so much Liverpool the same regard as the Fenway sports group. They're busy. They own a lot. They own top dogs in the sports franchise world. And they always have success eventually. So that success likely will eventually come. Will it be with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang still aboard? Will it be a new era? Will that next generational player find himself in Pittsburgh at some point? History says at some point that will happen. That player then post Crosby era will likely lead them to something successful and great success. Again, history says that has happened and is likely the case. So again, thanks to Rob Rossi of The Athletic. Another episode here of Mike Drop on Believe. And again, you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and also check out the rest of what the Believe Network has to offer. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.